I'm Rochella in North Carolina. I'm Nate in Colorado. And James in London. We are Friends in Formation. This is a podcast where three very different friends take your questions about life and faith with the goal of really listening to and learning from one another. Friends in Formation was created by Renovari, a Christian renewal effort that offers resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. We would love for you to email your questions to us. In fact, if we use one of your questions on the air, we'll send you a Friends in Formation coffee mug, which I understand is now the most coveted trinket on American shelves. <laughs> Seriously, though, we want to hear from you. So please email your questions to us at friends at renovare.org. That's friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org. We look forward to hearing from you. I like hearing that intro. There's something helpful about reading that of our goal is to listen and learn from one another because it's easy for me to think I get to be the answer man <laughs> here. <laughs> Good to remember what, why I'm sitting in this, in this chair. Uh, okay, I have a question for us, and it comes from Linda. It says, I'm currently listening to the episode about the kingdom of God. In a very real and practical way, I find my heart opening what the kingdom of God here and now means. For this reason, I believe I can trust you with this question, which I absolutely love mm-hmm. she said that. What did Jesus mean? When he said, store up your treasures in heaven, and in a practical sense, how do I store up treasure in heaven? Right? In a practical <laughs> sense, yeah. Love that question. Yeah. So we're talking about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 6. Okay, that's mm-hmm. where this is coming from. And it might just be helpful just to get the context there. For, and he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be mm-hmm. also. It might just be helpful just to flip over to Paul, who in Colossians 3, at the start of that wonderful Mm -hmm. chapter, says to seek the things above, which I think is a, you know, is a similar approach. So the treasures in heaven parallels quite well with the seeking the things above. So it's about orientation, isn't it? We're talking about the orientation of the heart, seeking treasures mm-hmm. in heaven. I mean, that's what we're invited that's into. That's right. The it? orientation yeah. of our hearts, also our minds. You know, set your minds on things mm-hmm. above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So I think orientation is a really good word, James, because we, we, we're talking here about how our perspective shapes what our priorities will be or what we believe mm-hmm. will end up determining our behavior right so if we are wanting to be friends of Jesus disciples followers of Jesus then we want to get our heads and our hearts oriented the way Jesus's head and heart was oriented. And he's pretty pretty clear in everything he says that he's talking about the kingdom of the heavens, the kingdom of God. His priorities are not reflective of the 
Roman rule under which he lived or the political aspirations of the people in ancient Palestine or in the land of Canaan, none of that. He, he is saying that there is available to us the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the heavens. And he's inviting us to get our priorities in line with the kingdom of heaven. So how? It's a good question. How, practically speaking, <laughs> how do you do that? I've struggled with this verse through the years because it, on its surface, it can look very transactional mm-hmm. or earning. Yeah. As I've spent time with it, I think of it a little more like, like you guys were saying, your orientation or kind of natural consequences. And this thinking in terms of the heart, that it's like mm-hmm. where, where your treasure your heart is. Like it's just, that's just where it's at. And so w- where do you want your heart to be? Is it in terms of eternal things? things that matter or, or uh, uh, kind of selfish tools of, of, of destruction. One place I take this is how we're using our kingdom. So if we think of our kingdom as our effective, uh, the range of our effective will. So am I, am I using my energies for good or am I using them for destruction? Am I using them to help get heaven into me and, and to help become right. a type of person who loves others well and, and leaves a trail, an, an, an aroma of, of goodness in, in our lives? I think that's maybe a little bit uh, how I think of treasures, but it does make me quite nervous to think that I've got the bank account going and let's go and <laughs> check and see what I get. <laughs> what I mean, but I don't think that's what Jesus was necessarily referencing. No, it it is about what you care about, and I mean the great difficulty we have is that we care about things that aren't you know helpful, and so how do we orientate ourselves towards things that are helpful? And I do think the divine conspiracy tell us Willard's extraordinary exposition of the Sermon on the Mount is such you know, such a great place to be. So if you have that book, just go and explore that that issue. He spends a lot of his time exploring this. And where do we put our hearts? And we put our hearts in things that are not helpful. In terms of practical things, I, um, I sometimes when I'm speaking, I talk about, I think I've now been able to summarize all the great classics of the Christian faith into one sentence oh. and i'll ask the audience i'll ask the audience would you like to hear definitely yeah sentence? and they go oh yeah 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 absolutely so i say actually actually now i think of it i think i can summarize all the great classics of the christian faith into one word would you like to hear it and and they go oh yeah yeah and then i look at my watch <laughs> And I said, oh, dear, we're out of time this morning. We'll just have to look yeah. leave it there. Next then, episode, right? <laughs> next, next episode. And then I say, you know, I do think that if you had to reduce them all into one word, I think the word would be surrender, surrender. Because I think the great challenge we have is to surrender to the kingdom of New Heaven's and I think the great invitation is to surrender. And that, I think, is the storing up of you know, treasure in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to be clear here, James, when you, when you use the word surrender, you're talking about the action that, that I take 
toward the invitation from God. You're not talking about the way these verses have been used throughout history, plucked right out of the Sermon on the Mount, used as weapons to say, give me all your money, because that's how you can store up treasures, right? It's a terrible shame that these verses have been used in that way. I mean, you'll hear preachers say things like, there are no pockets in a shroud or... or, uh, it, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse or something like that, as if these verses were about how much you give to the church or a religious organization. No, this is part of Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, where the message is very consistent. The message is about the kingdom of the heavens, where things don't work quite the way they might work in our ordinary kingdoms. This is a a kind of place where blessings come from God, where the the poor are in fact blessed, or those who mourn are comforted. This is a description of where what God wants done is done. So Nathan, I loved what you said a while ago when you said about getting heaven into you. That's what we're talking about. So often our churches talk about how we get into heaven when we die. But what we're talking about here is how do we get heaven into us? And I think that the the question about practical ways means we shift our thinking to things that last. You know, that these these couple of verses, I memorized them as a kid in the King James Version, right? Lay up not, therefore, treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But really, our priorities can very, very easily devolve into things that, that won't last because those are the things that are urgent, right? The things that I, that I have to do today or I feel like I have to do today can take up all my time. So I think part of this question is, how do you make time for the things that last? So I'd just jump in and say, first of all, the verses that are most corrupted, like the one you refer to Mm -hmm. of the preacher who misapplies this, usually the ones that are most corrupted Mm -hmm. are the most important. And that's why (laughs) they get corrupted in the same way that the verse repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand is so abused and, you know, is a joke in many people's minds because they've got an image of somebody, you know, condemning Mm -hmm. everybody. That's what happens to the verses (laughs) that are most important. So keep an eye out for those ones because they're often the most important. I think, you know, hurry is a very Mm -hmm. practical issue here. So again, Taulus uses this expression, the ruthless elimination Mm -hmm. of hurry. That's a strong word, the ruthless elimination. He might have said, you know, here's an idea. You might think about hurry. He's saying ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And even there's a book now called The Ruthless Mm -hmm. Elimination of Hurry. So slowing is a critical thing here, slowing. I'm going to sit with a couple ideas I'm, I'm hearing from you guys. One is that the most corrupted verses, because <laughs> I think mm. I have a tendency to throw them out. 
or like not give them a Correct. lot of attention because they've been distorted. Uh, that, that, that's a helpful. The other one I, I want to sit with a little is James, your one word surrender. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you may be onto something with that. And of course, Rochelle, I think you're right on track to give a caveat to that. This does not mean mm-hmm. submitting in destructive ways to people who are bent on controlling you or manipulating <laughs> uh, you. The interesting thing that comes to mind to me about the word surrender and surrendering to to the kingdom is that in order to do such, I have to uh, admit that I have some natural mm-hmm. impulses against the kingdom. And and I, I don't think this is a kind of question of salvation, surrender, and then you know, you're done. I think that's ongoing and deep that through the years, the more uh, I learn about myself, the more I realize I, these natural impulses and then looking to surrender them, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. That would be a way of building treasure, reorienting my heart to, mm-hmm. to what God yeah. wants. I think also of um, 1 Corinthians 13. You want to talk about another passage that often gets twisted, <laughs> but the very end of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says something really important when he says that three things last. And this is what we're talking about here, right? Things that can't be corrupted or stolen. Things that last, the things that last that Paul outlines there are faith, Mm -hmm. hope, and love. And he goes on to say the greatest of those is love. So I think investing in developing for ourselves greater faith and looking always to Jesus as our hope and extending that hope to others, and then love. So storing up our, putting our treasure um, in things that last, how can we be more full of faith and hope and love? And, and I think to build on that, which is such a helpful reminder, the old version was faith, hope, you know, charity, of course. So, but the ruthless elimination, um, you know, hurry. Another one is, um, you know, hiddenness, the discipline and practice of hiddenness do something virtuous <laughs> that you know nobody's going to ever see it's quite an interesting thing that you know no one's going to spot this you don't tell anybody and no one's never going to find out i mean these are the sorts of practices that i think we're interested in um plenty of you know others as well i'm sure it's a good question I'm really grateful for it. I'll be honest with you guys. I would like to just keep talking about this question, but it's time now to turn to another question. And I'm going to introduce this by saying that I'm sad about a bunch of questions that we're getting. I think that's the best thing to say. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people have written to us after a couple of the conversations we've had lately. We talked a couple of episodes ago about a person's feeling like a square peg in a round hole, not feeling like they don't really fit in at their church. And then we also talked about how young adults are, are leaving the church. And I'm glad to say that people are writing to us. I'm sad to say that these two issues really touched a lot 
of hearts and nerves. I'm sad just because it, it makes me sad that that the church today feels like a place that's difficult for people. But just to touch on one, uh, our friend Greg said that the issue of church attendance and feeling like a square peg hits really close to home for him. A church that he's been a part of for many, many years, he's now having to consider whether he can even remain in that fellowship. Another listener wrote in and said that she and her husband had reared their kids very, very lovingly in a church environment, and all of her adult children have left the church. So this is an issue that people are feeling keenly and deeply. I just want us to talk about it a little bit more, not because it's fun to talk about, but because when I think of our our ministry here to be friends in formation, I, I'm kind of feeling the need to to use the 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 Jewish term to to sit shiva with people to make some room for people to grieve maybe what what's going on in the church and I don't know I I don't really think this is a uniquely American problem although. Maybe the church in America right now is in particular turmoil. But James, I'm just wondering, could you give us a little more of an international outlook on what's going on in church? There's so much turmoil right now in the States. What's it like in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I'm I, I, with you on this. I feel very concerned for the number of people who've contacted us about you know church issues and children. I mean, one says... I have cried so many tears for our kids, and I know my friends are in great pain as well. And somebody else said, at this point, I do not care about attendance at church. I just want my kids mm-hmm. to come back to Jesus. I think there's a limit to the amount of advice we can give, because I think this is a sitting with people in the pain and the agony of it, I'm drawn to, my mind went to Psalm 102, you know, I I feel like I've eaten, you know, ashes. I feel that I've mixed my drink with crying, weeping. And I think we, all three of us, really, our hearts are touched with this. Church is such a difficult thing here. I remember standing... <laughs> I remember standing on a, st- a street corner in Kenya. I said, teasingly, I said, what's it like to live in a country where everybody's in church each week? You know, everybody's there. Attendance is incredibly high. And it must be so wonderful to be in the environment. And I, it was a younger person I spoke to. And they said, oh, James, don't you believe it? It's tough here as well. I was so intrigued by that. I said, well, why? What's going on? I says, well, there's an expression often used around that the church is a mile wide and an inch deep, meaning superficiality, meaning that the things we say in church on a Sunday don't transition well to the workplace on a Tuesday or a Thursday. And that there's a lot of you know talk and not enough action. Now, my experiences of the church around the world is that it's not quite like that. I think that's a, that's a bit of an extreme idea. And 
I'm cautious about making blanket observations mm -hmm. about, you know, Africa or the states even. Right. I mean, whatever you say is never true everywhere. Um, I mean, there's so much we could say about church. I visit, you know, China a lot in the work I do. And the biggest revival the world has probably ever seen is happening right now in China in our generation, the biggest revival, just the exponential growth. If 10% of China isn't Christian now, I mean really Christian, then it's soon going to be. It's soon going to be. So, you know, the, the story of church is various. So you've got the United States, and Britain has some similarities with the United States. I think we're a little bit in front of you in the, mm -hmm. the collapse of engagement with church. I mean, less than one in 10 in Britain are in the orbit of a church. I, I don't even mean in church each week. I just mean within the orbit of the church. So one in 10, two in 10 in Britain mm. are probably you know, hostile towards church. Not We don't care either way. They're really you know, hostile. Seven out of ten are saying we're open, you know, mm -hmm. convince us, which I think is a great place to start. I have a positive view. So Britain, United States, Africa, some brilliant churches within Africa, but there is a social issue about church. And then China, which I think is the most extraordinary expansion of church. So there's a very quick, very quick overview. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful to hear about China and maybe shows a problem that I didn't know that. The greatest revival uh, in yeah. history of the world, I think. Is that what you said, James? That's what wow. I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I think as we look at some of this, it might be helpful to uh, remember history that, you know, Reformation... A lot of people were killed, and and that kind of you know bloodshed of uh, some of these challenges with church and what people believed and didn't believe, whether it's theological, social, uh, or or political, and even even in you know history of their own denominations in the states, you know, churches split over the issue of slavery, and could could you imagine being in one of those churches where these issues were discussed and and and. Uh, Reminds me of a, of a friend of mine, Paul Patton, uh, who I've done a couple podcasts with. He's, he's a playwright, and he did a play of, about that issue and, and held it in an old church. And, and they started arguing and yelling, and a fight broke out as this you know, fictional church was trying to you know, wrestle with some of these issues. So there's nothing new going on uh, in, in mm -hmm. one sense. But the real issue is what do we do? And, and I, I ache for gentleman who gave us the question mm -hmm. of been there all these years what do i what do i do and and I, i'm with you guys this is there's a lot of grief here uh, and and I, I don't think we should brush over that easily and, and really these are just issues of discernment i think i don't think there's a you know really clear answer that uh, someone on the outside could give you maybe personally i would ask the question of can i am i able to be an agent of change mm -hmm. Uh, in this environment, or or is it just bringing me down? And and I think it is you know possible that many people following Jesus r right out the door. Mm -hmm. I think that can happen. Yeah, you're right, Nate. And that's not an easy thing 
uh, speaking as one who 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 grew up in a pr- particular denomination and learned a lot from my my church heritage but in adulthood decided that denomination was no longer the place where i could worship in spirit and in truth that doesn't mean that no one else in that denomination is worshiping in spirit and truth. No, there are many wonderful Christians who are gathering every week in the very church I left, but it was no longer right for me. And the honest thing for me to do was to find another place to worship, but it's hard this is hard, and I, I find myself um, drawn over and over to the book of John, and in, especially to the upper room where Jesus prays for his disciples. And what does he pray for them? He prays for unity mm-hmm. for them. But he doesn't pray for unity that they may have political power. He prays for unity that they will be like him and the Father. And he says, I will send a comforter. He prays for unity, that there may be a spirit of love that pervades. And what does he say? Greater love has no one than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. So I think there's some confusion in the church right now, especially in this country, because the church is, is seen as a, a political force, or the church is seen as having to have power. So I, too, James, am really taken with your example for what's going on in the church in China, because church in China, that's not political power you're talking about. Mm. That's the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Well, it is remarkably so because Dallas Willard has said at some point, so the church is at its most potent. Absolutely. Very yeah. often when it has yeah. the her least. And China is a very good example of that. I mean, you know, the the worship, well, it's very um, stripped down. Your know, hymn book is pretty mm-hmm. old. There's not a lot that you would say, oh, that explains why the biggest revival is that it's not, they haven't got the money, they haven't got the plants, they haven't got so much. Mm-hmm. And yet something remarkable is going on there. But 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 I mean Dallas also has this amazing that the the purpose mm-hmm. of God within you know, history is the formation of an all-inclusive community of loving individuals with Jesus Christ at the center. Mm-hmm. And in his book, Owing Christ Today, the final chapter is the most extraordinary chapter about the church, the social reality of church. And his point is, and we mustn't ignore this, is the church is supposed to be communities of a love, just to go back to your faith, hope, and charity point earlier, communities of love. And, you know, we want to place that in the middle of our hopes, aspirations, efforts, and discussions. You know, how are we experiencing church as a community of a love? And what does that look like? And how do we encourage it? 
y'all have come to expect this, I know, but I was reminded of an old hymn. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Hymn. Yes. We're waiting for that. I, I don't, I don't know if you guys sang this, but it was written in the early 19th century called Brethren We Have Met to Worship. Did you guys grow up singing that? recognize the phrase. Go on, tell us more. Yeah. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? But here's the clint. Here's what's important. The next, next line says, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray, and holy manna will be scattered all around. It's true. If the Spirit of the Lord does not enable what we're doing, then it is vain. And here at Renovari, we are so pro-church. But unless our churches are led by the Spirit, there will not be the community and the love and the longing fulfilled. So we grieve with you, Greg. We grieve with those whose children have left the church, and we say, pray and look for where the Spirit will lead you. And if it's out the door of the church you're a part of now, do not despair. There will be a fellowship for you. Maybe I should move us on here, though there's lots more to say about church. We had a really interesting email, Austin. There's a mug coming your way, Austin, (laughs) in the mail. I'm currently participating in a small group of men who are seeking to grow spiritually together. I have a few questions related to accountability. One, would you address the issue of accountability and uh, legalism. Resources on accountability seem to recommend a list of uh, questions to ask each other, but that seems formulaic and potentially uh, legalistic. Also, many of these uh, lists assume that we all need to be asked the same things, which may or not be the case. Number two, in your opinion, is accountability best done as a group or one-to-one? Uh, what have you seen most success with? And number three, getting a started with accountability seems tough. People in the group agree that we all need it in our lives, but none of us have ever really done this before. Do you have any ideas to get uh, started with? Great questions. I mean, That's I love it. That's a great it. question. Yeah. yeah. I can take a stab at the first one about Please. questions. It reminded me of uh, Wesley's band of brothers and the questions that they would ask. Mm-hmm. It are just so, you know, it just goes so deep. Have you even considered possibility of sinning? And, you know, they're <laughs> great questions. Uh, I think of the questions as just simply a way to spur on your your thinking. I I don't need any questions. I I know my vulnerabilities. And people, you know, friends know my vulnerabilities. So I, I think they're a good way to spur things on. And, you know, maybe some folks need that. But no, if, if I'm in a, a safe group, one mm-hmm. or more, I, I mean, I don't know that it so much matters where, where I can be honest and people hearing can be uh, helpful. Boy, there you go. And, and then add some years. I mean, these things really 
work best when there's multiple years on, on, uh, attached to them. So often, I think accountability groups are really just, you know, ways for people to grit their teeth and kind of come and, you know, admit this or that and, you know, shame themselves and then come on, guys, mm-hmm. let's go, you know, get better. And, and I don't think that's necessarily helpful long term. You know, what you just said, Nathan, reminds me that there are specific groups that are structured around accountability for specific issues. And I think our, you know, the best example I know of is Alcoholics Anonymous. Hmm. So those groups are accountability groups that at the, right at the outset, people identify themselves it's, you know, we're here, but I'm here because I'm an alcoholic, they'll say. I mean, it. I don't know if it's true or if it's just in the movies that anytime someone speaks, they it's say, true. hi, Nate, I'm, you know, or, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm Rochelle. And, yeah, exactly. It's so true. it's an admission right up front. Right. And I think there's been a good bit of discussion over the years of whether it would be a good idea for the church to adopt that kind of sort of sinners anonymous, let's just admit right up front, you know. Rigorous honesty. A rigorous honesty, yeah. But there are, you know, I, th- I think there's a larger question here, this looking for accountability and also maybe looking for just a, a maybe what I would call a spiritual formation group. And accountability mm-hmm. would be part of that, but not the whole orientation of that. So an accountability group can be a really large group. I mean, I've, I've attended Al-Anon meetings, which are for family members of persons addicted. And, you know, 30 people in the circle, very helpful. But I, I sense that this question is more about a small group. And I get that because he said, do you think this is better one-on-one or more than one-on-one? So I like to think of this small group experience, there are two questions that I really like because they get beyond being accountable for my behavior in a certain way, and they get under that. And the two questions I like are, what's bugging you and what's bringing you joy? Those mm-hmm. two questions. And the what's bugging me is really important because that gets to the heart of what I tend to need to work at. You know, I can get a bee in my bonnet or a burr under my saddle, or you pick pick your analogy. <laughs> and I, I can get literally can get worked up about things. And my my closest accountability partners will say, What's really bugging you? Why, why do you look so dejected? Why is your soul do- downcast within you, <laughs> to borrow some of the language of the Psalms? What, what's really going on? Because clearly something's bugging you. And then I have to work out with them of what really underlies my my feelings what what's really giving rise to my being so dejected or mad or whatever else so those are two questions and those are really used at length in a book by Cindy Bunch 
called Be Kind to Yourself. I think that's a good resource. Those those two questions I've found very, very book. helpful. I do like that book. I, rec- I think that's a great, yeah, well done. I think that's really helpful. So I am a great fan of Pranavare spiritual formation yeah. groups. And if you want to start anywhere, I'd start there. I've been involved in them for years and years and years. There's one I was involved in for many, many years. And I think the question I'd be saying, accountability Mm -hmm. for what, I think, is where I'd start. What is it we're being accountable for? Because legalism, I I don't want to be accountable for how legalistic I've been. And there is a danger in groups that they do become uh, in this way, so we can so easily. I don't. There's something in the human heart that takes grace and tries to turn it into <laughs> right. a law. You know, things that are given, to, things that are given to us as a means of grace. We're so excited about them, we turn them into a legalistic formula, and then we put mm-hmm. them on other people, and we destroy the very heart of what they are so be careful about that be careful about even in one of our groups a far group we want mm-hmm. grace 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 and um one of the lines you might you know, be able to help me with this and encouragement always encourage encourage mm-hmm. encourage encourage and when you think you've encouraged enough encourage some more <laughs> and encouragement always you know, challenge once in a long while. You know, we're thoughtful, we're cautious about, you know, challenge. It's so easy. A guy's group is quite vulnerable to that, you know, challenge, trying to fix things. Encouragement always, you know, challenge once in a long while, rebuke only when absolutely Mm -hmm. necessary, you know, really, really very rarely would we do that and never. condemnation never, never never and getting a spirit of that in a small group accountability group particularly but all groups is really important and it's that ethos and tone and c- culture i've been in a triplet now for 20 mm-hmm. years plus the same three wow. people, interestingly enough, called um, you know, James, me, John, and Simon. <laughs> call names, and we've been meeting one Friday and four at eight a.m. for breakfast mm. for all that time, and we eat the most unhealthy breakfast. There you go. We Clearly, not being accountable on. about your food choices, <laughs> right? Greece, <laughs> not about accounts. Well, no, and the thing is. We just a laugh. I mean, we laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's so important for me, accountability, because they don't take mm-hmm. me too seriously. Now, we've been through, you know, relationship issues, mm-hmm. bereavement issues, family issues, financial issues. Uh, but we've been accountable to each other and we give each other airtime. You know, I've said a lot this week. I won't say so much next week or I, you know, I mustn't overplay my part. But if mm-hmm. I need to, I can do. And there's a grace amongst us and accountability 
accountability. So I think accountability in, a, in it, probably more than an individual. I don't know, but um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think with with two people, it's a bit easier um, because different people have different perspectives and are watching and spotting different things. But I would I would start there. I laugh a lot. Be the little church in the big church. We talked about the church earlier on and this concept of a little church in the big church. We believe in big church, but we also believe in the little church, the threes, the fours, the six, the eight, and build a spirit of generosity and accountability. I like this theme that we've worked with, starting with treasures, issues of of the heart, and then institution of church being a place where we can, you know, hopefully work with that and and be encouraged and live into that. And then the s- smaller accountability potentially being a, you know, a space to move even further into uh, helping each other live in into the kingdom. A uh, couple of things. It was interesting, Rochelle, when you you mentioned twelve step groups, and I hadn't even considered it. But you're right; that is a, a form of of accountability. Uh, so then I just just kind of ran through in, in my mind some of the characteristics. Um, and mm-hmm. great question, James. Mm-hmm. What are we going to be accountable for? Right, kind of kind of to, to to start with that. But what what I've noticed mm-hmm. in in twelve step groups is rigorous mm-hmm. honesty. People mm-hmm. listen well. They don't respond. They share their experience, strength, and hope, mm-hmm. and then they laugh. Mm. Some of the uh, times I've laughed the most have been in, in really intense with really serious issues, um, mm. but it, it's so beautiful. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to me, James, that you, you picked that up as well. Mm. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's just good. <laughs> I don't know what else mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. It's good. James, I especially liked your question. What are we going to be accountable for? And here's something I'd like for y'all to think about. How about we hold one another accountable to truly believing that we are beloved children of God? How, can we be accountable for that? Accountable for making sure we adjust our thinking about ourselves to the way God thinks of us. Because when I hear the word accountability, I automatically think, oh, people want someone to whom they're going to report on themselves. I'm I'm going to talk about my besetting sin, right? And we are so much more than our besetting sins. I like the way Jim Smith says it. I can think of myself as I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Maybe the three of us could be an accountability group. I'm going to hold you accountable for understanding that you are one in whom Christ dwells Mm -hmm. and delights. What do you think? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's a great question because it feeds into Mm -hmm. issues of the heart. And I I, I got another theme I'm catching here. All three of our topics, behavior versus Mm -hmm. heart. Right, the right. treasures is this just behavior? Is this something about my character and who I'm becoming? Yes. Church is this just about sitting in a pew or not? You know, and then yeah. and then accountability. It's, That's it's right. Beyond behavior. That's right. 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 Well, it is. It's it's um it's posture over process. Mm. Process, <laughs> as you would say. Oh, but let's say it posture, your way. Posture, posture <laughs> of the heart. 
<laughs> posture of, of the heart over process, mm-hmm. which is uh, legalism. I mean, the guidelines are, are helpful. We don't want to just you know, chuck it all out. But the thing we're guarding against is turning it into absolutes and laws. And the Renovare accountability groups, the the spiritual formation groups, the the accountability is more about practice, actually. It's, you know, I said I'd spend 10 minutes in silence this week. And you go, yeah. well, how did it go? Well, I really messed it up and I just couldn't concentrate on it. And we go, that's okay. That's all right. What do you want to do this time? Oh, I think I'll try something else. Or maybe, no, I'm going to have another go at this. I'm going to try it one more time. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll pray with you. It's accountability yeah. in that sense. Um, you know, how can we support you? How can really? we support you? I like that. That's a great question. Mm. Fantastic. It's been great to have you joining us on this Friends in Formation. And we want to encourage you to head over to frenobare.org to find other helpful interviews, resources, articles, and other things as well. We'd love you to join us with more of your questions. Send them to us at friends at renovare.org. That's friends at r-e-n-o-v-a-r-e.org. If we choose your question, we'll send you a free coffee mug just to symbolize the fact that you're joining us in the conversation. If we don't answer your particular concern, it doesn't mean we've forgotten it. We look at all of them and we're constantly trying to pull together what we should explore. So we may come back to it at a future broadcast. Please, will you come and join us again for the next episode? All the best. God bless.